Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today I travel, well actually I'm traveling just about five miles down river from where I live in southwest England, uh, along X estuary to the seaside town of Exmouth, where my guest Gennaro Efuso lives and works uh, and runs his business, Natural Growth Wines, specializing in natural wines primarily from Italy. Gennaro, it's a real pleasure to meet you here today. Thank you so much for being my guest. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me in um, onto your show. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure, actually, to you. Yeah to be able to present a natural group wine. Well, that's great. I mean, it's a pleasure for me that uh, somebody with so much knowledge and enthusiasm and bringing in such interesting wines is located so close to me. So I'm glad we've, we've met up. Now, Gennaro, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from and, and how you ended up both in wine and in Exmouth. Um, well, I'm I'm Italian originally from uh, from Naples, so South Italy in uh, Campania. Um, it's been a long journey since 1997. Um, I've, I was hospitality based uh, since, um, and I've trained um, from Italy. Um, around uh, England. Obviously, uh, wine as a passion that has grown on me through the years um, and until um, I decide to um, make a, make a, have an input and uh, uh, build my own sort of venture. Um, natural, natural wines is something that I've yeah, necess- I've I've grown up with um in in a way, uh, and it's something that I really wanted to you know find the place where I could I said make a, make a difference, and um, I end up in uh, Exmouth in two thousand and nineteen when I if uh, I was working for Limston Manor with uh, Michael Kane. And um, 
it was there I was there until uh, I decided to start off uh, my own venture uh, because Devon seemed the right place where I could sort of uh, spread the um, the 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 knowledge about it. So um, yeah, we just went on since. Yes. Uh, you, so you were working at Limston Manor with my good friend, Michael Keynes, uh, a very good place with an excellent wine list. And now it's own wine coming from the vineyard in front of the manor. But that's another story. Your story is, is very interesting. So you grew up in the middle of Naples. You're a Neapolitan, um, a beautiful city, one of my favorite cities in Italy, uh, a crazy city, a noisy city. And you're now living in a pretty quiet town on the seaside um, in in Devon. So it's a, a little bit of a transition, but you're still by the sea. Absolutely. I think that's what you know, kept kept me staying, to be fair, uh, because, yeah, obviously traveling traveling around for for a few years, I think Exmouth is very much where I sort of found my, my route again, you know, by, by the seafront. Probably not the sunniest, but definitely a beautiful place to uh, to leave and to be obviously um, start off with be, the 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 new venture. To sure, natural sure. grove wine has been. Uh, I'm gladly to say that has been a a developing sort of uh, business since started in 2020. Um, this has been the 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 natural sort of wine understanding as as has and is still uh, massively growing. Um, as, as well. yes, it is very much a new uh, a new field. Uh, even though, as you say, these are wines that are made come una volta, wines that were made as wines. Uh, have always been made. Um, Gennari, you started in 2020. That was a very brave time. That was the year of the pandemic. Unexpectedly, yes, is uh, when I well, obviously, I I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware of like like all of us that it was going to happen. Uh, so I had everything ready to go, um, and it was fun enough. It was literally a week before. It all started that I was ready to launch, um, but that uh, that didn't stop uh, me. Yeah, I had I had too much. Um, yeah, too, it was all ready to you know, turn back. Uh, so I still went for it, and it was um, we well developed from what it was meant to be a a, a shop, um, a wine shop, to a wholesaler. Um, and uh, so I think I think as now is the nature of business is primarily based on wholesale, uh, and gladly so because uh, there is plenty of great independent businesses around um, Devon that are really uh, as exciting as they can be to embrace. The, the the wine sort of concept so good i'm glad i'm glad that's the case uh because it's not easy selling wines of any sort and especially selling wines that are less well understood perhaps amongst general consumers so let's talk about what a natural wine is there isn't any 
precise definition or classification, but it's very clear in your mind what constitutes a natural wine, the sort of wines, the sort of people that you want to represent, because it's not just the wines in the bottle, is it? It's also about the people who are behind that, their philosophy, their way of farming, their way of life. Absolutely. You're 100% correct there. Um, There is, first, as you said, there is no definition as such, but uh, I think primarily uh, um, there is nothing to define. Natural wine are just uh, wines that are made in the right way. Um, And as I was talking to one of the producers, um a few weeks ago and he said well what we're trying to do is just trying to uh reestablish what our grandfather used to do uh so we're not um trying to bring no new movement no uh, reinvent anything um and is pretty much that and as again as you said um yeah, there is when it comes to natural winemaking, there is a lot, it's not just about the grape variety, but is the terroir to, to consider uh, in, a, in a large sort of, you know, a part of the, the vinification. Um, and again, the, 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 the producer behind that is personal sides uh, that they really reflect um, into uh, into the the end sort of uh, product uh, as a matter of fact you'll see you know some some wine producer that are really I mean by looking at that way of ease it really you really can feel reflecting that into the winemaking Yes, yes. Well, let's discuss some of the elements. As you say, there's no precise definition, but the people that you're working with, the Italians you're working with, um, would define it, I suppose, as low intervention. Uh, And what does that actually mean? Um, as obviously as a law intervention, you know, is uh, is considered the the no action um, when it comes to the uh, viticulture and when it comes to the vinification. And I think there is um, these are uh, obviously the main uh, facts that you know we need to consider without without taking no action like a human sort of action. Uh, so. Um, we allow in the 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 soil and the terroir to 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 do what they the best at and uh, making sure that um everything that happens around the the grapes uh influence the the grape as a such um and then no chemical no chemicals no pesticides uh, really um avoiding those treatments that are going to affect the finished wine but also affect the environment absolutely i mean again as you as you said affects the uh the, the fruits and obviously refrain the environment to act on it which to a certain extent, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, 
we shouldn't be doing that as as a matter of fact when we drink wine we want we do want um that environment to be to reflect and to, to feel the influence uh, from it and at, at the one of one one of the major sort of uh, facts about um no intervention is obviously the when it comes to the vinification as well that obviously uh, most most of uh, conventional winemaking um the we're talking about when we're talking about conventional winemaking we're talking about forced fermentation um where in uh, that is not acceptable in natural winemaking and by saying that we're talking about spontaneous fermentation so without the without the initiation uh, by using um a chemical sort of yeast so we allow in the um indigenous sort of yeast the yeast that um does grow around the vineyard and in the cellar to act uh, spontaneously onto the wine and give the real sort of character to the wine itself which yeah it does it does um influences the wine you know okay so that's a very important point the native yeast the indigenous yeast on the bloom of the grapes uh, once the grape are crushed and pressed, that yeast will begin eating the sugars and causing the fermentation without pitching in yeast that has been cultured in a laboratory. Uh, and many winemakers I've spoken to say that the yeast is really the soul of the wine. So it's a very important part of of the natural approach. Absolutely. Also, uh, a minimal use of sulfites. Uh, well, yes, yeah, sulfites I think is is, uh, is one of these things that you know. Um, there's always a little bit of a misconception about it. That was a sulfides is something that in in a minimum sort of quantity naturally do occurs on uh, on fruits, on sort of any product. It just gives it has uh, any any sort of fruits or you know natural sort of product growing from the grounds uh, has the minimum sort of uh, life sort of shelves. But again, there is the uh, major sort of fact that conventional winemaking uh, wants to make sure that wines, they do last as long as possible. Uh, they are uh, as clean as possible uh, in a way that um, they don't, yeah, they because there is is a is a obviously a large sort of there is a a large conversation to be you know, a large field to you know, explore that uh, in a way that um is by starting from the viticulture you know if you don't if you use uh, if you if you've not been really caring about you know, your your vineyard obviously that develops yeah, all sorts of different defects and sulfides are yeah, used in vinification to hide this defect. Uh, so that's that's unacceptable. But 
um, on the ultimate sort of uh, stage, um, there is um, a little bit of uh, uh, allowance which is at the bottling. And it's a very much something that um, some people, you know, there is a large discussion there where some people obviously do allow um, the very minimum in terms of to to um, to preserve for transportation. Um, some people do not allow that in in any sort of case. But there is very much a bit of a debate which in any sort of case, does not affect the wine at all. Yes. So we're really talking about the minimal required um, additional sulfites uh, because of to, to, to express the, you know, the purity of the fruit. So really, Gennaro, when we say natural wines, often these are um, the vineyards are organic, or possibly biodynamic, uh, whether or not certified. Certification isn't the issue. It's really about this approach, this philosophy to create wines that are as pure an expression of the terroir as possible. But within that, Gennaro, there are also uh, a number of techniques that natural winemakers might use that give wines a fascinating range of flavors. I'm thinking about, for example, some of the pet nat uh, um, uh, sparkling wines, or for example, the skin contact whites, the so-called orange wines. So we've really got ranges of flavors of wines that you don't necessarily find in conventional. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. No, there is again the 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 certification discussion about it, and as you well said, is definitely um, definitely shouldn't uh, uh, is is not something that defines the DVD culture and the vinification. As a matter of fact, I always I'm I'm a great believer that you should know the people behind the, the winemaking, so you know exactly how it's made, because even certification doesn't tell you really much about how the wine is made. Going down to the uh, pet nuts and the orange wines, these again, we're going back to the fact that are very um, old sort of um, vinification where they, they, were, they were made in Asian sort of uh, time perhaps. Pet nut is, is the, the what we calls as a natural sort of um, uh, fermentation. As a matter of fact, wines to, to be um, kept uh, and to give the, the great sort of uh, uh, character were started, were given um, the possibility to start uh, fermenting and then reverse into bottle where they, they would finish the, where the, the natural sort of fermentation would occur and finish. I tasted with you the other night a fascinating uh, wine made by Valentina Kubi, the Athenatus. Uh, that was a beautiful um, uh, pet nat uh, that I, I had never tasted anything like it. It was from the Corvina grape. That's correct. Yeah, uh, Valentina Kubi is uh, is uh, is a great example of yeah, all we're talking about 
so far. Um, and she's um, a great producer in uh, Fumane, which is just outside Valpolicella. And uh, although uh, she is really attached to her own sort of tradition, she has produced uh, these um, a pet nut sort of style, uh, which she calls, as a matter of fact, as antenatus, uh, sort of connecting the um, the the winemaking sort of style uh, and bringing it back to to history. Uh, and she's producing this hundred percent Corvina, which starts in a still uh, open vat sort of f- fermentation, and then by uh, cold stabilization, they they slow down the fermentation and then uh, um, into bottle where the fermentation restarts and finishes off. So, and that's a great example of um, a pet nut sort of style. Obviously, what that does, it creates this, it leaves the wines on on his own uh, lease, uh, on his own sort of residual, given a great sort of texture, great sort of building up sort of character. And again, um, the the fact that the fermentation finishes off in bottle is almost, we're almost there to talk about re-fermenting in bottle, where he accused that little sparkling sort of sides of the wine, again, creating that beautiful sort of texture. Yeah, I thought that was a be- beautiful one. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and um, turning now to another wine that I, I enjoyed with you, uh, which is of the orange style that we're talking about, the skin contact white. Let's talk about the wines from Enos, a very interesting range of wines from Campania. That's correct, yeah. Um, Roberto is, again, a great example of... Um, yeah, natural winemaking, uh, and what we tasted, uh, the we've tasted the Fiano, um, and one of his Primitivo Rosato, and the Fiano is um, a great example of uh, skin contact wines. Uh, again, uh, skin contact wines um, is nothing different than what they used to do many years ago. Skin contact is uh, our wines, uh, white grapes, basically, um, that uh, through the maceration are longer kept on the skin, just as much as red wine is. So the white wine goes through um, the same process. So allowing the skin to remain in contact with the uh, squeezed sort of juice and yeah, all the uh, the goods um, from the fruits, from the skin, to yeah, give that great character to the wines. And as a matter of fact, um, I'm sure you remember the Fiano had these incredible so sort of layers of honey flavors, chamomile, um, that is obviously all uh, influenced by the, the skin sort of contact. Yeah, a beautiful texture, Gennaro, a, a texture that had, you know, with we don't expect a little bite of tannin in white wines normally, but they were very gentle tannins um, in there. So the texture, the flavors, the aromas were really intriguing and so different from a Fiano fermented in stainless steel, uh, you know, a more modern style, which can be, of course, 
wonderful too, but this is a different style. Roberto is uh, is uh, on a um, uh, Dio area, original uh, denomination uh, area of the Rocca Menfina, uh, which is at the bottom of an extincted sort of volcano. I mean, the the soil are um, solid volcanic soil, so great sort of character. Uh, roots are, uh, they are allowed to be obviously deep down into the soil where be goods and minerals do leave. Uh, and I mean, by tasting the Fiano, I think is a great example of what um, Roberto does, uh, but even his uh, 100% Primitivo, again, is a yeah a wonderful sort of example. Gennaro, uh, I enjoyed these wines recently with you uh, at a wine dinner that you hosted at the wonderful Salutation Inn in my town, Topsham, uh, where Tom Williams Hawks has created a, uh, a really lovely and high quality fine dine restaurant. And, and Chef Luke worked with you to match his fabulous cuisine with the range of wines that you suggested. But I, what I found so interesting with natural wines, and indeed, as we sat around that table and I spoke with some of the other guests that night, is is how well these wines that, uh, you know, maybe aren't the what sort of wine you would just have standing up as a glass of wine on its own, uh, but uh, they are wines that are meant to be enjoyed with food and food at all levels of uh, foods from simple foods, uh, very simple foods, pasta or salumi uh, to the really considered and sophisticated cuisine that we enjoyed the other night. Tell us about why the range of wines you have, the natural wines, but above all, the natural Italian wines go so well with food. Um. As 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 we said at the uh, beginning of the the, the conversation, um, obviously here we we aren't talking about wines that they wholly um, uh, define the great variety, but uh, the the terroir, the environment, the yeast that grows around uh, the vineyard, and obviously ultimately the um, winemaker sort of influence. So, I mean, just by saying that, it just describes the layers and layers of character that goes uh, through these wines. Uh, and then obviously that's definitely one, one of the things to keep in mind uh, in terms of expression, you know, uh, wine expression, which obviously you know, we, uh, we, said, we, we said about the food, the wonderful food that uh, Luke and Tom uh, had created at the, at the dinner, uh, which uh, by the dishes by themselves uh, were, had layers and layers of flavors, which allows the wine to, 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 to be a, to be a, a playground you know, to to pick from different uh, layers. So, you, know, you can imagine the you know, the the different uh, character, the different element from the the soil, uh, which are uh, able to pick from the dishes. So we're not talking about straight. Um, 
straight sort of forward wine where you only go about few elements few different flavors uh to to play with which is very much down to the conventional sort of side where you've got these wines are uh clean uh really really uh, uh simple in a way but here we're talking about uh with natural sort of wine we're talking about complexity that has uh, enormous sort of amount of flavors and minerals that the food yeah and i think those flavors really really um help to bring out the complexity and flavors of the dishes one of my favorites that evening was luke's Devon crab with watermelon gazpacho and lemon verbena, which you paired with the Enos Fiano. And uh, it was already really fascinating because you had a little bit of sharpness from, I think it would have been sherry vinegar in that gazpacho. And and it was really lifted by by that rich and complex Fiano. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right there. I mean, I found the... The, even the uh, the beef tartar with the, the the next course the beef tartar with the uh, with the primitivo rosato, which uh, yeah it brings the 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 dish it brought the dishes to a, a different uh, level and it's just purely because obviously the um, the beef very highly sort of structured. A dish uh, yeah, had the wine there had the possibility with the with the great sort of level of acidity to just elevate what the beef sort of structure was. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think for me that's when when wine and food pairing works best and is exciting is when the wine enhances the food and the food also enhances the wine. So it was very successful, Gennaro. Now, Gennaro, I know you have a busy day today, so I think we'll wrap things up here. Uh, it's been great to meet you here, uh, but it'll be more fun when we get together soon uh, for a glass of wine or two. But uh, thank you so much for being my guest today, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much, uh, Mark. It was absolutely my pleasure. And um, thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to yeah to talk about natural wines and primarily about the few producers, which are the the one that deserve the the most um, yeah, accolades, I suppose. Okay, thank you, Gennaro. Ci vediamo presto. Ciao, ciao. Thanks, Mark. Ciao, grazie. Ciao, ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.